Mr. Rich Eisen. Ah, yes. Welcome to hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show, live on the air on the Roku channel, which is free on all Roku devices. Select Samsung Smart TVs. We're free on Amazon Fire TV, the Roku app, therokuchannel.com. We say hello to our terrestrial radio listeners, those also listening on Sirius XM Odyssey. Hello to you, our podcast listeners. You can listen whenever you're darn well, please. I'm saying hello to you whenever you're darn well. Hear it. We appreciate you taking that in and hitting a subscribe button on our podcast. Uh, we're thrilled to kick off hour number two with an in-studio guest. Thrilled to have here uh, from the New York Mets booth here in Los Angeles, California, where the Mets just won their fifth consecutive game, beating the Dodgers last night 8-6. to six, A two-time World Series champion, five-time All-Star, and 11-time Gold Glove winner, Keith Hernandez, here in the flesh. Good to see you, Keith. How Good are you? Good to see you, Rich. It's been a long time. Yeah. Yo, you're giving a round of applause. Well, I mean, TJ's dressed like Mr. Met right behind you in your right shoulder right there. Look at him right there. Um, thanks for being here. Greatly appreciate sure. that. So we were just going down memory lane about Shea Stadium. I was listening. Yeah. What, <laughs> when you first walked into Shea, I imagine you remember the St. Louis Cardinals, right? right back right. in the day? And yeah, I remember the visiting clubhouse. And? And uh, it was tiny. Yes. And you guys were talking about cobwebs and yes. all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. You should have seen the carpet. Well, <laughs> the carpet was probably laid in 1962. <laughs> and it was stains and it was just... Just gross. to welcome you, there was no red. There was no. No, red that carpet. was it. Was gross. It was. And Kiner's Corner. I uh-huh. was a, a guest, and the first time I was a guest. Yes. Uh, uh, back in I, I forget the year. I might have been seventy six. So I had a good second half, a real good second half. So a, a visiting player on Kiner's yes, Corner. Yes, it was the only ballpark that had a studio, and the studio Ralph had a little tiny studio, and uh, it was next to the Mets clubhouse. So we were on the third base uh, dugout. Yeah. You had to walk all the way around the stadium, yes. uh, around to, to the first base side yeah. to go on a show. Then Ralph would slip you a $100 bill. Back in 1976, you know, it was a $100 bill. Yeah. And um, I remember I had never been interviewed in a studio before, and he had the TV monitors up above. Uh, he was at his desk. In and I kept stadium? on looking at the monitor yeah, yeah. like an idiot. <laughs> doing the interview but uh, that was my first real um, when I got to know Ralph for the first time so Ralph Kiner slipped you a c-note Keith Hernandez is that what you're saying yes yeah, the- that was that was what you when you went on his show every player got a hundred dollar bill that'd be significant which man. was good to go back to your hotel and you can buy a couple rounds <laughs> <laughs> back in 1976 was this in like the old Jets locker room could that have been? No, that? it was in between. In between. It was literally next door. If you walked out the clubhouse yeah. at Shea, or yeah. the Mets clubhouse, yeah. you made a right-hand turn yeah. down to the right field line. It was the first door, right next door. So it was on the other side of uh, the manager's office, so right, you, right there. So you played you know, baseball in Shea Stadium when there was like, uh, you know, the 30-yard line still imprinted in it, right? Or something like that uh, back in the you day. You know what? I, I don't recall. I'm not sure. I I first, my rookie year was 74. I don't know when the Jets. Oh, the Jets didn't move until the mid 80s. Yeah. So they were there. Then I guess so. Yeah, no doubt. So I wasn't paying attention. How about them apples? No doubt about it, man. Keith Hernandez here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk a little bit about the here and now. This Mets team has just won its fifth in a row. We had Francisco Lindor on yesterday. I asked him, I'm like, hey, you've been on a World Series team before. What do you think about this one? He, you know, obviously baseball players are very confident they'll speak stuff into existence. He didn't stutter. That He believes this is a World Series team. What about you from this, from your point of view, Keith? Well, this team is made to win right now. It's the oldest team in MLB. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got two future Hall of Fame first, uh, first ballot 
pitchers in your starting rotation in Scherzer and Verlander, and they've got two years on their contracts. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they go, they're both 40 and 30, respectively. You're talking 42 and, and uh, 41. Mm-hmm. How are you going to replace two, two guys? I mean, they're going to be at the end of the line at that age. Mm-hmm. If, they can, if they continue, uh, I mean, it would just be incredible. Um, but we are an old team uh, made to win now, but they've got a core uh, in uh, that Beatty they just called up, who I love. He got a beautiful swing. Right. He made his, uh, he did, it's not his debut, his seasonal debut. Right. He was killing it in AAA. Uh, uh, Pete Alonso now has just literally, it's been fun for me to watch the progress of these players. Because mm-hmm. I remember when I came up and I made a lot of mistakes, I got sent down. It took me three years to feel that I finally was a major league player, maybe four years, and uh, to watch their progress. Pete now is, I mean, he's a beast. I mean, he is, like to me, is the closest thing to Harmon Killebrew. I mean, a real power hitter, and he's a he's hitting 287. Uh, he walks. He's so disciplined. Brandon Nimmo in center field. Watch his progress. He's a major league player now, and he, his defense was always uh, suspect. He's playing a great center field now. McNeil is And McNeil's just, you can put him in right field, you can put him in left field. He doesn't hurt you defensively. He's a very, very good uh, defensive uh, second baseman. He's great in the outfield, too. Uh, so he's versatile, but he plays primarily second base. And he can hit. He's struggling right now, but he got, I think he got three hits last, last night. Last night he did. And uh, probably kind of broke out. Uh, he's a quality player. And they've got some two guys in the minor leagues, this Maurizio shortstop who's wearing it out, and he had a great spring and really impressed me. And this Matt Vientos who's mm-hmm. been playing first base. So they've, it's the first time the Mets had, uh, they called up Francisco Alvarez. He's up now because of uh, Narvaez got hurt. He would still be down there probably mm-hmm. getting seasoned. It's the first time I'm, I've been with the Met organization since I was traded and I've been in the booth for almost 20 years uh, that I, there was players that I would actually go online and look at AAA and see what they're doing because there's four quality prospects. Well, let's linger on Alonzo a little bit here. Where does he rank? I mean, you mentioned Harmon Killebrew moments ago, yep. but where does he rank for you in terms of hitters you've seen, Keith? I'm serious, like because he's just... He's killing it right now, and he's hitting for average, as you point out, yep. which is kind of where, you know, to use another uh, New York all-star, I mean, Judge kind of flipped a, uh, right. turned a page when he stopped right. biting on those sliders that right are on the outside right. corner. He starts getting a better eye, walking, not striking out as much. Well, he does strike out a lot. But it seems like Alonzo might be in that, heading in that direction right now. Uh, no, no, no question. It comes with experience and success, mm-hmm. and you face the pitchers. Uh, I remember my, my mentor, Lou Brock, said you're going to be facing. It's a little more difficult today because now you're playing every team in both leagues. Mm-hmm. So before, it used to get, you know, remember how the pitchers pitch you, and you're going to face them. And as the years go by, you'll get a feel for them. And I think that's what's happening now. And Pete always has good discipline. He's playing sort of in the shadow of Judge. I think he's underrated because of it. And I think that he is starting to make a, a big statement. Uh, this could be a very, very big year. He lost uh, 10 pounds. and He was always a little soft, uh, strong, mm-hmm. but now he's cut. And if he keeps himself in shape like this, um, he can avoid injury. He's going to hit 
a ton of home runs. I mean, he's a great clutch hitter too. He can he can get a base hit when a base hit's needed, and it's just great to watch him. I've, I'm, I'm, we're really blessed up there to be able to watch these kind of quality players. So, uh, and how is Buck Showalter? Oh, he's the best. I think it was the best. You can talk about all the signings that was Steve Cohen uh, did over the last two years, three years, and all the money he spent. His best hire was Buck Showalter. And I know I was praying that they'd hire Showalter, that we needed players like to be led. Mm-hmm. And this was a, basically the core of this team is young. Not so much young like 20, 21, 24, and they're, they're in their mid-20s. But they were just ready for someone to carry the flag and show him, uh, show them where to lead them. And Buck, and I've been around a lot of managers and played for more than a few, and he's the best manager I've ever run across. I mean, he is, we have meetings with him every first game of a series, mm-hmm. the radio and TV guys. And we used to, I, I would miss some of them in the past, but I don't, I don't miss them now because you, I learned something from him right. every meeting. Uh, he is so on the spot, and he knows each personality and how to get the most out of them. And I, I just think he's, he's, he's been the difference. Plus, he told me he learned a lot from Billy Martin. Uh, and that's helped me a lot from him. And uh, as he was coming up as a, in the minor leagues with the, with the Yankees. And um, you're not going to outmanage him. He's, he's solid. Well, he also knows New York, too, uh, obviously, yes. which is a whole different ball of wax sure. in so many different ways. And... Um, you know, we had Lindor on yesterday, and I said, tell me your first meeting with Buck Showalter. By the way, I have Keith Hernandez here in the studio. And he's like, because uh, I thought, you know, obviously Buck would have to sit him down and suss him out a little bit with all that thumbs up, thumbs down stuff with Javi Baez the year before. And mm-hmm. it really didn't go very well at all in Lindor's first year in New right. York. And you know how that can go. Somebody comes, doesn't matter what you did in Cleveland, oh, doesn't matter funny. what you did anywhere else. If you don't do it here and you start, you know, flipping off the, the fans with your thumb... You know, that's a problem. And I thought, you know, he would have to have this heart to heart with him. Lindor said the first thing Buck said to him as he sat him down, Buck said to him, so what do you got? And he's like, what do you mean? What do I have? And he goes, what do you got? And he goes, well, I just want to play shortstop and just, you know, be a ball player. He goes, great. And that was essentially the end of the meeting. He's like, that's great. That's what I want you to do. Right. Just be yourself. Just go out and do it. Well, Buck told me. A buck called me uh, two weeks after, three weeks after he was hired okay. in the winter. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to know, because you've been around, he was the first manager to ever call me. He said, tell me about the organization. I want to know what the organization, I want to know about the players. I had a two, uh, two and a half hour conversation with him on every player, and what I felt about that player. And it was the first time. He wanted my, my advice and uh, respected my opinion. And he told me with Lindor, it was funny, one spring training, or it was in the season this first year. Mm-hmm. He said, all I tell Lindor was having a difficult time that first year. You know, when you have a new contract and you get a big contract, in and you come to a new, you know, you go to a new fan base, and then on top of it, it's yeah. a New York fan base, yeah. and it's a Met fan base. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of pressure. I felt it my first year when I... When I was 84, and the, after 83, when I was traded, yeah. I had the half season in New York, decided to stay. I started that 84 season. Uh, I, was, I felt a little pressure. I better not get off to a bad start here. And um, I had a bad first series, and we went on to Houston, Atlanta, and Chicago. It was a long road trip. And I broke out in, uh, in Houston. I came back 
to Shea opening day hitting 234, but I knew I was on the road. Mm-hmm. But I was feeling it. I was kind of glad we opened up with a 15-day road trip. You know, so uh, he felt, he had to feel. He's more comfortable now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he wants to win. This yeah. whole team is very together and wants to win. Uh, it's really a good bunch to cover. In the past, there's been a lot of animosity with SNY, and uh, that's our network. Yes. And um, this is a group here, and I think Buck had a lot to do with it. It's just like, hey. So what did he tell you about Lindor? He said, Oh, something. I'm sorry. I guess I'm, okay. going, I'm going no, off on a tangent. He no, says, all I want you to do is play every, every day and play shortstop. Don't worry about everything else. Don't, don't you come to me with this. I don't want Don't that's, let me handle that. You just play shortstop. It's as simple sometimes, right? Yes. And that's why I, 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 when he told that story yesterday, I'm like, what the hell? You know, the manager just says, so what do you got? He was totally confused. What yep. do you got? I just want to play shortstop. Good. Yep. That's a good meeting. Sold. By the way, I, I just, yes, because there's no shifts, yeah. everybody's playing baseball like on the infield like they used to. So you like it? Lindor is just, he, he said, yeah. you know, they, he and McNeil would have communications problems because they're on the same side of the field. Who's going to cover on a double? It just yeah. screwed everything up. You grow up, you play shortstop, you play second base, first base. You know what The shift changed everything. Third baseman going out in the right I field. Hate I hated it. And now it's gone. It. And Lindor knows what he has to do. He is playing a fabulous shortstop. Do you like the pitch clock? Yes. You do? Very much so. I think it should be 20 seconds every pitch, not down to, was it 15? Yeah, you went to the game in, in San Diego last night. You thought it was, yeah. a, right? You think? Yeah, but, uh, I mean, Keith, I'm sure you've felt it too. It's very noticeable how yeah. quick the pace is. I mean, you turn your head for one second, you'll miss two pitches, three pitches. Suddenly, a guy's on first base. What just happened? It goes fast. Yeah. Well, in the booth, you're got. We've had, always had time to talk. Right. And I found myself in the middle of a story, and all of a sudden, boom! Here comes a pitch. Uh-huh. And I, and if it, does, if, it, if it makes contact, and it's, I have to stop, and then pick it up after. And sometimes it's the third out. And you're, you're out. You go into commercial. Yeah. So you think twenty seconds, like a little, just extend. I think twenty a seconds bit? is. Uh, I think it should be twenty seconds. They're going to tinker with it. I think uh, 15, what's it, 15 with nobody on base. Right. Uh, they give him 20 seconds or with a runner on base. I've, I'm pretty sure a little more time. Um, maybe 7th, 8th, and ninth inning, get rid of the clock. I'm with you. We Get I, rid of the I, clock. I said that to Rob Manfred right before opening day because it was just two days after the Otani-Trout matchup in the World Baseball right. Classic that was— You would lose that moment. Every pitch would have been a violation. Yep. Every pitch would have been a violation. No and question. I do like the drama building. And, and right. when you're looking in for the sign and, you know, just let it build. Yeah. Like, we're not like you got it. Like, if you cut off the amount of time that you're looking to cut off between innings one and seven, you know, we're, we're, we're cool. Like, you're already, no. you're already ahead of the game, but they don't want the games to last 315, 330. And I understand that. And it's the only sport where it's unlimited timeouts or used to be. Um, but I, I, I'm with you. I turn turn the damn thing off at the end of the game. Let let it let it play out. Late and close. And then and then have the umpires use their discretion. The other day, I'm sure you saw Cody Bellinger got a a, a violation because he stepped out to take in the applause in his first game yeah, back in Dodger something, Stadium. I missed that, but I heard it's about just it. It's like what do we like come on as I, I was saying, like to the umps, like you don't want to be replaced by robots, don't act like one. You know, like let's 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 so, Let's go. There's you know? a lot on the home plate umpire, a lot on his plate. When he's doing a game, he's got to watch the clock, although he's got the buzzer and that lets him know 
but there's a lot. The umpires have, uh, there's 10 new umpires. There were 10 umpires that didn't want to bother with their veterans that retired. They just said, so I'd rather have, retire. So 10 new umpires that were in the minor leagues that have been under that system. Yes. And they're more familiar and they're kind of helping out the veteran umpires because it's new to them. Uh, so, and I don't like the three pickoffs limit for yeah, a pitcher. Right. I think it's an unfair advantage for the base runner. They want, it's very funny. They want more steals before it was uh, the analytics people. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of good things in analytics. Yes. And there's a lot of stuff that's superfluous. Get, mm-hmm. get go away. Um, but uh it was if the, if the guy didn't steal seventy five percent success rate, yes. then he wasn't helping the team. That's baloney. That's baloney. You steal a one one run game in the eighth inning and you steal that base and you get on base. That's an important stolen base. So is the threat of it too. You, know, you just I mean, can't put it all into a lump. Sure. And uh, okay, this is it—a big broad brush. Um, so I think that's an unfair advantage. They want more stolen bases, and I think that stolen bases were down. I think agents probably were want their players not yeah. to get hurt. You got a chance to make a lot of money in this game. You, you know, just home runs. We're getting away from home runs and strikeouts. I don't have a problem with that at all, though. And, you know what I mean? Like the I, ball's I, put in play. Our team puts the ball in play. I mean, we, uh, we have struck out, I think, the, 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 the least in the National League. We put the ball in play. We hustle. It's fun. And another thing, I know I'm wrapping on here, no, but on. without that softball right fielder, like in... <laughs> You know, slow pitch out in shallow right. Now you got a ground ball in the hole and a runner on first, and it's a first and third, and you got a right fielder that makes a throw, and it's a close play. It's adding excitement. I agree. I totally agree. Yep. And I'm sure you're a left-handed hitter, so I hit that hole all the time. I bet. You know, I'm sure. You know, you're you. um, I would have had to make an adjustment if I was playing with a guy out there taking that hole away from me in shallow right. I hated it. I'm so glad the shift is gone. Keith Hernandez is here in studio. I'd like to take a break and go down memory lane with you. Sure. The whole 86 Mets, the whole bit, and then, of course, um, the second spitter. You know, I was going to go in that direction. Keith Hernandez is here on the Rich Eisen Show. Do not move an inch right here in studio. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, Just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So sleep number helps me. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Visit GameTime.co for restrictions. Again, create an account, redeem my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Keith Hernandez here on the Rich Eisen Show. Do you have a Steinbrenner story? Did he ever try to get you to the Yankees? Did that ever happen? No. Anything like that? No. Okay. Uh, but when they won the World Series, when they came back, a great World Series, when uh, Leyritz hit the home run. Against the, uh, the, the Braves in the 96. The Braves, they came back on that one. And uh, that was a turning point in the series. I was up at Elaine's after the seventh game. Yes. And Steinbrenner came in mm-hmm. with, his, with his posse. And he came up to me, and I said, and I went up to George, and I said, George, this has been such, such a great thing for the city, and uh, congratulations. And he goes, hey, he goes, you weren't, a, you, you weren't such a bad player. You, you might have you been able to look, be in pinstripes. Oh, I'll never forget <laughs> I laughed. And so when you say Elaine's, you're talking about the bar, not Bennett's. The restaurant. Okay. <laughs> yes. and, and George, you're Steinbrenner, not Costanza. Yes. Okay, we have to make sure... <laughs> Certainly with you here. How did, how did you wind up on Seinfeld? Um, I was happen? two years retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Boris was my last agent, mm-hmm. and I didn't need an agent. I was retired. And for some reason, Jerry conceived this show. I was mm-hmm. his favorite player. Mm-hmm. Jerry grew up in Brooklyn and was a Met fan. And I don't know why they didn't call the Mets to get a hold of me. They called Scott Boris, and Scott Boris called me from you know down in... Newport Beach, and I'm in New York, and he said, and I didn't watch any primetime TV because we played night games. And I didn't know what the Seinfeld show was. You had no idea. I had no idea. It was, it was the second season. Uh-huh. And I believe it was the second or third season. The show hadn't taken off. Mm-hmm. And um, Scott said, Is it when you want to go do this show? And I said, in L.A., it's a sitcom. I go, what is it? He goes, it's a sitcom. And I go, well, how much are they going to pay me? And he said, they'll give you fifteen grand, and they'll fly you first class to L.A., and you're there for the whole week. It's probably minimal lines. I said, okay, I'll do it. I was doing nothing. They, this was Wednesday. They FedExed me the script, and I got it on Friday. I was getting on the airplane Saturday to go to L.A. Minimal and lines. And I opened up the script, and I went, oh. <laughs> I had never acted. I, I didn't want to act. I never took, I never took a class, and there's nothing I aspired to be. Yeah. So... I have known Marcia Mason, the great actress. Oh, yes. And she was in Taos or uh, in New Mexico, and mm-hmm. I called her, and I said, Marcia, I got this, and she told me how to memorize lines, which was line one, didn't say line one, line two, then mm-hmm. line one, two, three. She said, go to bed and do your lines, wake up in the morning and do them. And I memorized my lines, uh, but I was petrified that whole week. Well, I, I, I would only wish if Marcia, Marcia Mason's advice to you was if you're nervous, just say, I'm Keith Hernandez. Right. And that's how that wound up in the script. Well, the but funny thing about it. that, when, when I had that do that line, which was a, as a voiceover, 
we were in the car doing the, the good night yeah. kiss scene. Yes. And so Larry, after eight takes of that, which was wonderful. Uh, <laughs> um, Larry goes, well, we got, the, we got the, the boom over your head. Let's just do the quick, uh, I'm Keith Hernandez. And I just said, well, how do you want me to say it? And Larry was, he was in the background. And, mm-hmm. I, and I said, I'll tell you, just, just tell me, how would you want me to say it? Then I'll do it right away. Just have the tape rolling. Yeah. So Larry said, I'm Keith Hernandez. And I just did it right then. And he, that was one take we were done. That's it. Yep. <laughs> now were you the one who roped roger mcdowell in or that yes. was in the script you were i they asked me uh who they wanted uh who, who would be best for a second spitter and i said well our practical joker was roger mcdowell i go but he's in mississippi and then larry said that's okay <laughs> so they he got his number and they called him they flew him out and he that and uh he, he got to do that that, that scene Amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. I mean, you, you know, it is one of the greatest episodes of Seinfeld, the two part. Yeah, I, I, I didn't watch it. I, I watch it in bits with so many reruns. Right. And I've only seen my show around, my episode around maybe a handful of times. I get embarrassed, but I was just basically playing myself. Yes. And the key was memorize your lines. And I did. And do you, do you stay in touch with Jerry? I mean, or you he comes to the ballpark. Oh, sure. We have him in the booth once a year. I bet. And we yeah, have sure. him in for yeah. like an inning, and he's terrific. And um, but uh, no, he's he's got his own life. He's got a family. He's raising a family. Yes, he does. And I'm sure he's very happy with the with the current state of the New York Metropolitan. Oh, that's yeah, for I'm sure. sure yeah. Keith Hernandez here uh, on the Rich Eisen show. What was it like playing first base when Dwight Gooden was on the mound? What was that like? Keith? Well, what was it like coming out every day with fifty thousand people? Uh, and on Monday night, maybe 35. And back in those days, you went to Shea Stadium to watch a ball game. Yes. There was no uh, restaurants and all this other stuff like a, like a county fair. Mm-hmm. When the game started, we would go out uh, you know, 20 minutes before the game and do our warm-ups. People were in their seats, and you could feel the energy. But when Doc was out there, there was a certain higher level of it. Uh, playing behind him... I, my angle would be here. Here's home plate. Yeah. I'm looking home plate. Doc's over here. So I'm seeing him pitching like this. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't really tell the fastball of the velocity. I knew when he threw up, it took off. Mm-hmm. But I could see his breaking ball. Uh-huh. He had a big curve. Well, I mean, Everybody talks about his fastball. He had... That was well. Didn't they call it Lord Charles uh, instead of Uncle Charlie? It was Lord Charles. We was called it a uh, yellow hammer. <laughs> <laughs> it just came straight down because. Boom. I saw him. Uh, I mean, then we got Cone, and he had the Cone strike out 200. And Sid struck out 200. So it was three pitchers in our rotation yes. that were 200-plus strikeout guys. And it was just great to play behind him. And Strawberry was as great as they come right from the get-go, Darryl too? Was a, Darryl was, to me, the second coming of William McCovey. Because when McCovey came up with the Giants, I'm from San Francisco. Yes, sir. And McCovey played left field because Cepeda was still playing first base. Mm-hmm. They wound up trading Cepeda to the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And uh, after the 66 season, McCovey came in to play first base. But McCovey was a big screen bean like Daryl. And uh, Daryl, all of a sudden, when he became, came and grew into a man's body, uh, was, he was a tank. And so was McCovey the same way. And Daryl uh, would have hit 500 home runs if he would have been able to stay on the field. And he was that great, obviously, from the beginning. Him and and um, and Gooden together, 
you uh, and Gary Carter yep. being the the last piece, missing piece. He was the last. We got him in '85. That's when year he won 98 games mm-hmm. and went home. Cardinals, the Cardinals won 102. We had that great series the last week of the season in St. Louis. We won the first two games. We had to sweep. Daryl hit a home run off the off the right field scoreboard clock at Bush Stadium. I've never seen anybody do that. <laughs> and that won the game off Ken Daly, hanging right. curve. And it was an extra innings, and we won that game by a run. And it was a full house, and you could hear it was a hush. The stadium just was like, uh, they, they couldn't believe what they saw. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. I played there for eight and a half yes, years. Sir. Yeah. No one came close to that 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 scoreboard. And he he did. He has just some amazing power. Well, then in 86, you made sure that you weren't going to lose by a, a small amount. You just won by 21 and a half games in 1986, the, the National League East. Won 108 games. And something I'm very proud of is that the Dodgers won 111 last year. So yes. they became... The 13th team, I think the 13th or 14th team in the history of baseball to win 108 games or more in a season. So we're in the, with the 27 Yankees, the 31 Athletics. Yes. It was kind of a nice little group. We're in the Orioles in the 71, 72. 86 was insane. I mean, I, I will. that is one of the greatest postseasons in the history yeah. of baseball. Um, your series with the Astros. Yes. Was off the charts. Yes. And at the same time, the Red Sox were taking on the A's, right? Wasn't they? Or the Angels. No, Angels. Angels right? We the thought Angels. we were going to go. We thought right, we were Angels. going to California. Right. And then the Red Sox, Dave Henderson had one of the greatest home runs in the history of the postseason as well. Yep. Uh, I'm just going to come out and ask you a straight up question. I'm going to put you on the spot. Was, okay. Ma- was, was Mike Scott messing with the baseballs? He was, he was scuffing it. It may not have been him. You know, Yogi had the razor blade in the, supposedly in his shin guard, right? <laughs> For, for for Whitey Ford. Okay. So, you know, he would throw the ball back, and he'd have a little device here, and he would go down, and it would just it would um, scuff the ball for Whitey. Whitey would always brag about how what he can do with a baseball if it right. was scuffed. The pitchers today, they get a ball on the ground, or like Ron would say, I want that ball. Yeah, don't throw it out. it's giving me another yeah. thing to, to grab the air. Yeah. Pitchers today see it, and they, they throw it out. You're like, what are you doing? But Scott was scuffing. It was on the fat part of the ball. It was... It was uh, like someone had a file. Yeah. And he would only use it on his fastball. His fastball ran. Mm-hmm. He threw upstairs a two-pitch pitcher, a split finger. He threw hard. Yeah. It dropped, and then he threw the fastball up here, could throw it down the middle, and it would run left or right. Uh, and he knew what to do. Uh, would run it away from left-handers, run it away from uh, and right-handers. Right. And, and he was throwing. Uh, today's gun, he would be at a 97. <sighs> That was an incredible series. Then, obviously, Yankees, uh, I mean, uh, Red Sox, Mets, uh, 1986 World Series. Keith Hernandez here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's get to the 10th inning of Game 6. If I'm not mistaken, you were the second out, right? You, I you, made the you, second out. I you, hit a ball, fly ball to left center. Left center. I didn't hit it well. Um, what did you think as you went back to the dugout? Oh, I think we're done. It's the greatest comeback. And we scored, we scored three runs to win. Right. And so Three runs, th- two outs, nobody on, facing elimination. It's the greatest single, I think, with your back-to-the-wall comeback mm-hmm. in World Series history. So when you got back to the dugout, it was just dead quiet? Is that what it was? Um, I did. Or? I went down. I went back up to the locker room because I didn't want to see the Boston in our field. Mm-hmm. So I go up into the, uh, my locker, and I could, uh, my locker was the first locker, and the manager's office was a hallway down there. Right. And then Jay Horowitz was in there with Daryl yeah. Johnson, ironically, who was the manager of the Red Sox when they lost the World Series, I forget which year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't Zimmer the manager. It was um, 
but he he bought, he he was a former mentor. He was our head scout. So he called me into the room, and I sat down, and all of a sudden, Carter gets a hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Mitchell gets a hit. Well, before you continue on, is it true Kevin Mitchell was with you in the locker room? He was in the locker room, but he was completely dressed. and, and um, Completely dressed in civilian clothes. Someone came up and said, you're going to pinch hit, and he ran down. Is it true he was commando? Like he had nothing on underneath? No, he was completely clothed. No, but it, like he had, he just... Uh, the word uh, uh, is uh, am i telling you that something no, he was new? Com- he was not that's that's all that's urban fake. that's urban legend yeah i thought uh, you he know was, he's he another was, seinfeld reference was it was just only a, what's the seinfeld with the thin layer of gabardine it's thin layer of gabardine between him and uh and the rest of the world no he true. was completely close okay. and he ran down got his bat yeah. and got up and got a base hit got a base hit so now <laughs> what do you think so you now so i'm sitting in my chair in davy's office with and then ron walks in darling yeah and I just said to everybody, no one move, stay where you are after our third hit. I go, These, we got hits here. And old Shay, you've been to a concert at Madison Square Garden. Sure, yeah, yeah. When it's like the seats are. Yeah, shaking. Uh-huh. That's how Shay was. Because um, we were underneath the box seats. Mm-hmm. And um, it, was like, it was like being at a concert, at um, a Bruce Springsteen concert mm-hmm. at, uh, at, at uh, Madison Square Garden. So I watched the whole thing. On television? And, on television. With Vince Scully on the call? Yep. Really? In the clubhouse. I should have been in the dugout. Something I'm not proud of, but I wasn't going to leave. And so I didn't, when, when we scored the winning run, I didn't run out there. I greeted everybody at the, at the clubhouse door. Yeah. It was amazing. It was oh. amazing what happened. Wow. You know, and ironically, Buckner, and I know what Mac, John McNamara was thinking. Buckner drove in 117 runs that year. He's been there. Mookie was the right guy up, and Bill played in the Dodgers and the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Knew Mookie ran everything out hard to first base mm-hmm. and could run like a jackrabbit. And don't think that wasn't in the back of Buckner's mind when he sidled over down the line. And because it was, if it had been anybody else, he would have made the play. McNamara just wanted him on the field, like he yep. deserved to be on the field for for celebrating, right? Yep. And just, and it's amazing how baseballs find people in this day. And, and, it and, is, you know. Yep. And so Mookie goes up the line and that's and and you know, when you tell these stories to people like, Oh, so the Mets won the World Series, like, nah. There was a game seven and yep. there was a rainout, if I'm not mistaken, as and well. And they gave right? uh, Hurst another day's rest. He would have pitched on two days rest, like Lomborg in sixty seven against mm-hmm. Gibson in, in game seven. But he got an extra day's rest and he tuckered out and the I got the base hit off him that You had three I, hits in that game, didn't you? Game seven. I forget. Uh, I drove in three runs. Yeah. So Anyway, it was those weren't fun at bats. I mean, ironically, in '82, I had a same situation. Gene Tennis pinched hit, uh-huh. and Bob McClure was on the mound, left-hander, and he pitched around Tennis to get to me, open base, and I got a base hit that tied the game. Yeah, it was seventh innings, the game seven. Same situation. I couldn't believe it. I, I'm in the hole, on deck circle. Tim Tuffles up, and Hurst pitches around him and walks him. And I'm going, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's on me. I got nowhere to go. Right. It's, and uh, we're losing by two runs, I believe. And uh, I remember I looked up at my brother. who was in box seats behind home plate. Yeah. And he's always been my, my talisman. And he got up and gave me the big fist pump. And it just kind of calmed me down. And then he leads me off with a curveball that buckled me. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I knew he was going to come inside. I choked up. All I needed was a single there. Yep. 
and um, I, I delivered. But those two at bats, they were very clutch at bats, but they they weren't fun. It was when they, when I succeeded, it was like the weight of the world. I took a deep breath and went, "Thank you, Lord." And then you you won the World Series. Uh, what if there was Twitter for the '86 Mets? Oh, it'd have been a disaster. <laughs> I wouldn't have wanted Twitter. And I didn't do any commercials when I played. Right. I wanted to focus on the field. But do you, you know, like, you know, at, at, uh, at the, you know, Strawberry, at Daryl? Oh, can you imagine? Right. At, do you really think the players are doing it? They got people doing it for them. I don't know. I think I, a lot of players a player are doing it. sits home and, and, and goes on uh, Twitter on a daily basis oh, yes. in season? Absolutely. It's crazy. Absolutely. Because uh, I no question about it in my mind. How and you know a few more minutes left here with Keith Hernandez. So um, your your manager, um, Davey Johnson. Yes. How did he how did he do that job with the personalities in that room? Because what? he was like one of us. He was an ex player, mm-hmm. uh, or of obviously the, the world champion Orioles. Right. And he then he played with the, the Braves and the Phillies. So uh, he got it. Is he was just a player's manager. He just always said, you know, uh, don't embarrass the organization. You come to the ballpark, come on time, you play hard, I don't care what you do, but just don't embarrass the organization and come out every day ready to play. And it worked. Yep. I mean, there was a few times I was out late. You know, New York would go to five in the morning if you want, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe six. <laughs> yeah. There was a couple of times I was out late on a Saturday night with a day game, and I go into Davey's office. I go, David, I'm not going to take BP today. I need to go back in the doctor's office and take a nap. Mm-hmm. And he said, go ahead and I have the trainer wake me up. This wasn't all the time. I'm going to say. You know, it was just a couple times. I burnt <laughs> the candle at both ends. And I basically took care of myself, but there were times I didn't. A few. Mm. And the trainers would come wake me up at 12 noon. And I'd have a cup of coffee and get, you know, I, I would sleep in my uniform. And then 1 o'clock game, boom, go and get them. Amazing. <laughs> Did we hear Van Gun- Jeff Van Gundy was on the show yesterday? Um, talking about how I'm like, uh, he talking about playoff games and uh, basketball playoff games, Madison Square Garden Knicks games and things of that nature. And I'm like, yeah, and you know, opponents would come in and give their best performance. And he goes, that's overrated. He goes, this is New York City. Sometimes the visiting players would come in and they would be partying hard the night right. before, essentially, and they they weren't ready to play. He said the thing that would concern him is that a team comes in on the back end of a back to back where they actually played the night before, they weren't in New York City to go out and hit it. Oh, that's a good point. That was his concern, is what he said. I love the I love these stories. Can I get you for a few more minutes, or do you got? Sure, I got nowhere to go. Keith Hernandez is here on the Rich Eisen Show. A couple more minutes left with him. Let's talk a little bit more baseball. Eight four four two zero four Rich is the number to dial as well. We're live here on the Roku Channel here in Los Angeles, where the Mets and Keith are in town. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. 
Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eisen. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Finishing up a full hour in studio, Keith Hernandez, uh, pleased to have you here and uh, I appreciate your giving all all this time. Uh, Mets and Dodgers tonight. You concerned about the Dodgers? You seeing them in person now? Just they're game, banged but... up. Their bullpen's banged up. They got, they've got four of their guys that are out, uh-huh. and they're not going to be back. And, uh, you know, Lux was a horrific injury for them. They got, I think, Trey Turner's a heck of a player. I would never let him go. Uh, I don't know why they did. I think uh, but... he wanted to be on the East Coast. I think it might have been a Trey Turner okay. thing. Well, he... That's why he wound up in Philly, maybe. Well, he was a free agent, that. too, so his right. choice. But I think the Dodgers let him go. They wanted to move Lux to shortstop. Got it. And Lux gets hurt, sees an ending injury. And you got Rojas, who's a nice backup player, and he's not, he's not performing. Um, I don't know. You, got, you haven't got Walker Bueller. Gonsolin is down. They're banged up right now. We're kind of catching them at the right moment. Right. Uh, but I do think they've taken a step back. There's so what, no, no question. Which team uh, uh, do you think is uh, the, the biggest challenge then? National, in the West? Yeah, uh, just in National League. For oh, the, the, Mets the, and the Braves are off to a great start. They're going to be they're, – they're, they're tough. Philly's a bit surprising. They're not pitching, particularly with those top three. They lost Suarez. I loved that left-hander, Ranger mm-hmm. Suarez. But they got Wheeler and the other guy. I can't think of him uh, right now. Oh, Nola. No, Nola, yeah. And their, their team ERA is way over five. I think it's way up there. They're mm-hmm. not pitching at all. They're having a rough run. You know, they lost their first baseman. They got hot last year, the second half of the season, and, and they made a great run to the World Series. Um, I don't know if they can re- replicate that, but the Braves right now got to be an us. And the Padres, they're going to get uh, Tatis back soon. Yep. Uh, if the Padres, if they can pitch, they're going to be formidable. I don't know if the Mets have – have you seen Otani yet? In person, I have not. Okay, actually, I have. We had we played the uh, the Angels last year okay. down in uh, Anaheim. Okay, and um, just one game, but he didn't pitch. He didn't pitch. Uh, I mean, you know, incredible. I don't know how many uh, times you've looked out of the booth there in City Field and seen an Otani Mets jersey on somebody. You know, that's what they're guy in the corner behind you <laughs> uh, and all the Mets fans are thinking right now. Well, we've got our own Japanese pitcher in Senga right now, yeah. who I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got the ghost pitch, which is. Never let anybody. That kind of gives it kind of an aura. Yeah. It's a split finger. <laughs> okay, so keep it simple. Don't right. don't don't give him too much credit. But I like his stuff. He's going to win if he stays healthy. He's going to win. He's a good pitcher. Well, I mean, Otani on tops too. I, I don't know how he can manage pitching every fifth day and and playing every day. He I don't seems know how to he can manage it. I know. I mean, Babe Ruth did it right. 
Not too long, though, right? Would right. we determine like just two years is all he did yeah, that for? Only a couple we years, need to know really. that number off the top of our head, but he's unbelievable. Uh, I mean, he is truly yep. a unicorn, you know? I mean, I'm sure you could tell me about great hitting pitchers in your day and great hitters, you know, who, who might have, you know, been a pitcher, but he's doing it. I mean, it's incredible. It's a lot, of, it's a lot on your plate. It's tough enough to play one position and, uh, I don't know if you saw the video, too, that he keeps – he's the – because of the pitch clock, and he has so many variables of pitches. Right. He's calling the game himself and right. has the device, the, the, the pitch com, on his – underneath his, his yep. sleeve? So there's, his no, there's no shaking off now. Right. Verlander, in spring training, mm-hmm. loved it and said, I can call my own game. So he's going to do that. Yeah. But we haven't had him back. We, you know, when, we got the, when are we going to see him? What do you think? He should be, I think, probably the first week of May. Unless he has a setback. Okay. All right. You got any question, Mr. Men over there? I'm sure you want to get something out nah, of I mean, you, you pretty much hit all the 86 stuff, so I'm just kind of just sitting back enjoying this. 37 man. years. It's about time someone takes the crown off. The crown's heavy <laughs> on all of us guys. It's, come on. Let's get a winner. Do you and Darling ever have those conversations? Uh, not really. Never? But we, every, when, when the season's over, we're just, gosh, 30 years. Can you believe it? 32 years. Can you believe it? Now it's 37. Mm-hmm. Going on 38. Well, Keith, speaking on that, do you guys ever just sit back, though, and just kind of look at each other like, wow, we did that? That any moments Because like that, that, well, that, that team was exceptional. We when we're together, which when we have our we, well, 20th anniversary, now it's going to be the, the next one's going to be the 40th. Yes. Wow. And so we'll see each other. And there's a certain sense of pride that season. You know, 108 wins. You're right there with the Orioles and the Yankees and uh, the Philadelphia Athletics, all the teams that won. And we're in that select group, 14 yeah. of us. That's yeah. something to be proud of. Who was the craziest one in that locker room? Seriously. In that clubhouse. Oh, McDowell was the – Lenny was nuts too. <laughs> <laughs> you don't you have know. to use the past tense sometimes for him as well. <laughs> well but, I mean, so Roger, like what you got – Roger great, was a practical joke. What, you got the best practical joke from McDowell that you can uh, tell? We were on the West Coast playing at Dodger Stadium. Uh-huh. And it was a national anthem. And it had to be in late June because it was fire. He had firecrackers. Uh-huh. He had tied together around five packs of firecrackers. Mm-hmm. And we were struggling scoring runs. And he lit them in the, where the bat rack was. And we're all up on, this, you know, on the step. Top step? The, well, not that we didn't do the top step. Uh, okay. But we were just standing up. We were in the uh, dugout. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, five packs of firecrackers <laughs> and smoke's coming up on our bats. <laughs> That's one of them. And um, uh, he came out in Dodger Stadium, too, with a uniform on upside down. He put the pants over his head <laughs> and the one leg on his face and he looked like uh, James Arnest and Ar- the thing. Yes, for sure. Yeah, uh-huh. And he had the one uh, arm on the other pant leg and he was like like a monster and he was like walking in front of the fans and played <laughs> before the game. And I, I, I remember going, oh my God, I laughed my fanny off. Well, I mean, that just loosens you up. I mean, yep, that, that's, that, that it's, it's fun. It's 162 games and 100... In 91 days, mm-hmm. you got to have fun. Would you say he was the like the glue guy on the team that kind of kept you guys together? Was he the together? what? The glue, like guy. the glue guy like that kept glue you guy. together? Uh, it wasn't the glue guy. He was a very important part, but he was he was the character on the team. And then um, Hojo would do the hot foot. Howard Johnson. <laughs> Howard would do the hot foot. And so we had a bunch of characters. Yeah, I noticed. 
I definitely noticed. I definitely noticed. Uh, Keith, thanks for coming here, man. I, My pleasure. I greatly appreciate it. Um, so, do the Mets, are they in Anaheim coming back? Are you coming back? Anaheim comes to us. Anaheim comes to you. Yeah, I'm hoping Otani pitches. If he pitches in City Field, I mean, he's. A, I think he's coming to Yankee Stadium this week. Wouldn't it be great if it matched up him and Senga? That would be great. Oh, my gosh. That would be great. That would be fantastic. Him versus the polar bear, him versus yeah. everyone else on that team. Yep. And then, again, it's just gotta, he's just got to see, does he does he like that sort of vibe, or does he like it out oh, here I'm in Southern sure California? Athlete, he's an athlete. The, the guys that are here are here because they – Accept the challenges. Mm-hmm. I that's, understand that's what you're the, saying. The great ones, they accept the challenge. We'll say hi to Ron Darling for us and send our best to Gary Cohen and everyone else on SNY. Keith Hernandez here on the Rich Eisen Show. Hour number three coming up right here. 